This episode of Journey to the Energy C-Suite is sponsored by Mlink, the experts in custom e-learning solutions. Unlike generic online training resources, Mlink builds high-quality content to fit your unique requirements and align with your exact business goals. Since 1990, Mlink has won more than 50 awards, and they've worked with high-profile companies like FedEx, Microsoft, Cisco, Pizza Hut, and Mary Kay. Mlink produces a wide variety of e-learning media, instructor-led, character animation, gamification, performance simulation, and it can all be mobile for today's distributed workforce. If your team needs to grow and transform in a competitive environment, then have a look at Mlink, where they are linking mind and media to improve human performance. Learn more at mlinktech.com. Every career is a journey. Every leader has a story. Welcome to Journey to the Energy C-Suite, where we look at the strategies and techniques that turn solid leaders into top executives. This is your place to hear practical wisdom and guidance from real people who know what it takes. With your host, Ryan Sanford. Hi again, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Journey to the Energy C-Suite. I am your host, Ryan Sanford. Thank you again for pressing that play button and tuning in to the Oil & Gas Global Network. I'm excited today to bring on a really cool industry leader. Um, she's also a colleague of mine at OGGN, assistant driller, podcaster, and founder and president of Women Offshore. She is Allie Cedeno. Allie, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Hi, Ryan. Thanks so much for having me on your show. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. It, it's been a, a little bit of a, a struggle for us to connect because of uh, all the things happening over the holidays. We've had to reschedule a couple of times and, and obviously work around your offshore schedule. So I'm glad that you you were able to make time now before you have to go back over over uh, onshore offshore. Yeah, yeah, I was so busy and I had COVID too, so that was tough. And glad to finally be here and to share my story. So thanks for giving me this opportunity. You bet. Well, I want to start, uh, maybe go back to your, your earlier days, because it, I think you have a really cool story to tell. Like, Tell us how you originally started thinking about offshore as a career. Yeah. So I grew up in Seattle, Washington, and fell in love with being on the water thanks to my dad. It was something that he was able to pass down to me the love of sailing and taught me how to uh, race sailboats. And he put me in a boat when I was very little. It was a little dinghy sailboat. I think I was maybe six years old and taught me how to sail. And uh, from there, I got competitive in racing and wanted to race in college and thought that I would go to the Olympics at one point. Um Actually, for a while, I was I was really determined to get to that level, and I was looking at colleges, and the U.S. Merchant Marine Academy appealed to me because they had a really great sailing team, and they still do, and it was a, a free college. It's one of the federal service academies, and so there's a commitment afterwards, but it could also mean seeing the world and working on ships, and when you graduate, you graduate with a U.S. Merchant Marine license, whether that's DEC which is the route I chose, are engineering. So I became a navigation officer. I, I learned all about navigation, um, marine transportation. While I was at the school, I was a logistics major. And when I graduated, I, 
I worked on cruise ships initially. I actually, it's interesting. I did not want to go to sea when I graduated because as a cadet, as a student, and being one of the only women on board, I didn't see myself in the industry. I faced um, some sexual harassment as a cadet and thought, this is not for me. Um, But I had this commitment to the government to sail on my license, and I knew that there were more women in cruise ships. So I gave that a try, and that was a really incredible experience um, working on the National Geographic ships, going all over the world, went to Antarctica, Northern Europe, uh, the Seychelles, some really amazing places. Um, But I was uh, replaced by a Filipino, and congrats to him. He got the full-time job um, and I was going to relieve him. So he would work for eight months and then I would get about three months of work a year and that just wasn't going to pay the bills. And I had all these friends, these classmates who were um, working in offshore energy and they were becoming what's called a dynamic positioning operator, which is basically a mate like what I was doing. Um, But you use a computer system to operate the vessel's propulsion And so I wanted to do that. They had these consistent schedules of a few weeks on, a few weeks off, working on uh, drill ships or uh, offshore supply vessels, for example. And they were getting paid a lot of money as well. This was back in 2009, 2010. um, And it just seemed like a really great career move. So went over there. And I guess I had overcome some of my fears of being the only woman at that point, um, because I ended up in a very male-dominated uh, sector, and I was on a dive support vessel where um, I was often the only woman. Um, sometimes there was another one on board, but I really needed uh, some mentorship, some guidance, and to get the female perspective. I stuck with it, though, and I um, moved to Transocean in 2013, and I've been with them since, working on their drill ships. And it wasn't until 2015 I got on a ship where there were a lot of women. It was a drill ship. And um, shout out to Chevron. They were a customer and had so many women representing them on board. And Slumberjay as well had lots of women. So it was a very different experience for me um, since working on that that cruise ship um, so many years back and thought how great this is that I'm working alongside women on a drill ship and my my presence on board was very normal for people. Like I wasn't this anomaly walking down the deck. I was just another woman. And I thrived in that environment being accepted for just being me, less about my gender. And I was promoted. With that promotion, I was sent to South Korea. And um, in South Korea, I, I was again the only woman. And I, I missed that I missed that last vessel, that camaraderie, that sense of belonging that I had found, the mentorship with the women. And I thought that's how the industry should be, where women belong and they they are normalized in the workplace. Like, is is that really too much to ask? Um, But sometimes it is, unfortunately. So I thought I could create a place online, at least, for us to connect and kind of emulate that experience that I had. And showcase female role models and the female perspective and just show women unapologetically going after their career dreams. So created womenoffshore.org in 2017 to be the place that I always needed 
and to share resources. And it's just grown uh, so much in the last five years. It's it turned out to be a lot more work than I thought it would, right? Because it took off. And and that's been great. It's been so fulfilling. I get so much intrinsic value out of it, um, running the organization and um, trying to find ways to meet the needs of female seafarers around the world. So we have a mentoring program. We have annual events. We have a career day coming up, an annual conference that gets bigger and bigger every year. And it's just amazing to me to meet women who have very similar experiences to mine. And, you know, they're from different countries. And if you would have told me that in this year, I would know thousands of women who work on the water. I I, w- I don't think I would have believed you back then. But today I do know so many amazing women and learn from them all the time. And I, I really appreciate how much they love women offshore. And I, I love them for that. Okay, let's back up just a little bit because you went through that pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, I did. W- women offshore is a big deal now. And I-, I want you to maybe go back and just tell us, like, how, how did you originally conceive that idea to start uh, the Women Offshore online platform? And then how did you grow that into what it is, has become? Yeah, I guess it was it was a place of, of, of loneliness in a way, um, being in shipyard in South Korea and seeing that the guys quickly building camaraderie and it was nothing against them. I could just tell, you know, they'd go out together for dinner and, and they would invite me, but it wasn't the same. And I thought, you know, it'd be nice if there were women around and um, just realized, you know, things really need to change in this industry. And I remember being in my apartment and cause we weren't living on the ship at the time thinking, well, if no one else is going to do anything about this, and then I am. I'm going to empower the women I know um, with resources t- that I can put together. And those resources can simply be the women I had la- last worked with, at showcasing them as role models. So I'm going to start there and, and see what happens. And so... It's interesting because since starting Women Offshore, I have gone back to school and get my MBA, and I didn't realize what I was doing at the time is I was just putting a blog out there, seeing what would happen, testing the waters, and quite quickly, I realized this is what a lot of people want, Um, women and men. um, They want to see more women in the industry, and one of the ways you can do that is by showcasing role models. So at the time I I was doing that, I was providing mentorship and guidance through this blog uh, with the voices of women who wanted to speak up. So uh, yeah, tested the waters at first with the blog, quickly uh, developed a following, was receiving messages from women all over the world, and then um, did a lot of interviews, right? Because that was the purpose of it. And in those interviews, I learned so much about what else was needed, a formal mentoring program, um, more resources around navigating a career and how do you get into the industry. Also, companies reaching out saying, we want to recruit women. You know, can you help us do that? And so just the vision continued to expand. And every year we add a little bit more 
to what we're doing. And, and we're a small team. Where, you know, it's a board that volunteers and uh, it's a lot of sweat equity from everyone there. And then we do have an executive director who works part time. We have someone who handles our social media now. But up until a few months ago, I was still doing that. Um, and we have some great volunteers and a lot of volunteer mentors uh, who um, really wish that they had something like this when they started out. So every year, you know, the plan is to see what we can add and how we can grow and just continue to get bigger and bigger. And, and, and of course, thank our donors and our sponsors, who've, especially those that have been with us since the beginning, because they're helping us drive this change. So what began as your own personal experience and longing for community, you've built, you built this thing organically to the point now where people are coming to you, wanting to get involved in it, wanting to offer their, their help, their sponsorship, their, their talents to help you grow this thing. I think it's just such a cool story of how uh, it started really with just your own personal experience and expanded out from there. I wanted to ask you to talk a little bit more about the mentorship uh, part of Women Offshore, which I think is really cool. Um, you you actually uh, do help facilitate uh, m- mentorships for, for women that are interested in offshore work or that are currently uh, in, in those jobs. Tell us more about how that works. Yeah. So the mentorship program is for women who are on a path into the industry or they're, they're in the industry. And so we started it uh, first as a very small program. It was a beta program in 2017 for six months. I learned a lot in that time period on what it would take to to really scale it and be able to provide a good service in running a mentoring program. I just used Excel and email and made the pairings kind of just on a whim and realized that some of them were great relationships where the mentee got so much out of it because six months later, I sent out this survey and was able to gather a lot of data points based off of their experiences. And then others kind of fell apart. And that was okay because I was learning how to run this and didn't really give them a lot of guidance. So from there, I quickly uh, learned that there's a whole industry around mentorship and there's software out there. So there are these platforms and we use MentorLoop and we've been with them since that time. And it's a great software to um, create your own mentoring program with. They provide a, provide a lot of guidance and resources for your mentors and mentees. And uh, it allows me as an admin and now our executive director, she's she's the current admin because I wanted to focus more on mentoring others myself rather than being in charge of the program. So gave her the reins about six months ago there. But it allows our admins to have a central source for making the pairings. And then the coolest part about this is that there's an algorithm. So in our algorithm, we have a certain criteria that we want the pairings based off of. So we try to pair based on geographic region as well as the mentee's career path. So we want a woman who, say, wants to become a driller, an offshore driller, get paired with someone who is either in that position or on that path and just as, you know, more experienced than her. And so we try to make those pairings where we can. 
And uh, it, it works quite well where they get to ask questions about how that woman is making it or has made it, what she's learned, and really see herself. Because if you can't see it, you can't become it. So we're giving them a mirror into what you know their future life could possibly look like if they continue to pursue the path that they want. And uh, yeah, we've had hundreds of women in the program. We do a rotation system. So every six months, we open up the form online. We just share it on our social media and our newsletter. And then uh, women, they don't have to pay anything because it's uh, covered through our sponsorship. So it's open um, without charging them, and they sign up, they get paired, and they're told this is for six months. And then when the six months is over, they can choose to opt out because sometimes people have accomplished what they need to or they want to take a break, um, but they're always welcome back when they're, they're ready to come back. And um, often what happens is someone is a mentee for a bit, and then they switch to be a mentor because they want to give back. They want to be a part of the change and help others. So it's it's a really great program. And uh, we have our form open right now and we'll be closing it soon and starting a new rotation. That's awesome. Uh, I also want to talk about some of the other cool events that you guys do. I think you have one coming up in March uh, on International Women's Day, a mixer. You want to talk about that one a little bit? Yeah, so we have an industry mixer that week uh, with OGGN. So it's at Women Offshore and OGGN partnership there uh, where we're going to host an industry mixer, which is a cool term for a happy hour. And um, we'll have some great uh, women speaking and sharing their experiences. The theme this year for International Women's Day is breaking the bias. So they're going to talk about um, bias in their lives and not just experiencing bias, but how they overcome bias through their own leadership because everyone's biased. Women, men, it doesn't matter what your gender is. As human beings, we're biased. So we're going to have a very candid conversation with those panelists about what that looks like in their life and how we can all be better. Then you also have a conference coming up later in the year. I think it's scheduled for October. And is this the fifth year that you guys have done the, the, the Women Offshore Conference? Yeah. So we'll have our annual conference in the fall, and this will be the fifth year. So that's that's a little milestone, I guess. That's exciting. Uh, last, the last couple of years, it's been virtual. Um, hoping for an in-person conference this year. We will see. But we do have a career day coming up in May. It'll be May 6th. And that will be a virtual event. Sorry, my dog. <laughs> so we use our career day as an opportunity to level people up in the job application process. Uh, we have uh, sessions on resume writing, on interview preparation, and we try to help everyone at once. Because um, for a long time, it was people, it was people coming to me to seek help in getting a job. And, and I still do help people. But um, we've kind of channeled all that into one day, and then people can have access to the videos. And we make that a free event. Uh, last year, we had over six, or we had about six hundred attendees, so that was a good turnout. And that was the first time we had run that event, and we'll be doing that again this year, May six. Wow, that's a great <laughs> that is a great turnout, six hundred folks. Yeah, and eighteen companies recruiting, which was great. Outstanding. Yeah. And now, one of the other things that this has led you to 
is the podcasting world. And uh, you host one of the shows here on OGGN, Women Offshore Podcast. Um, how did that come about? Yeah. So I started a podcast um, in 2018 and knew it would be a great opportunity um, to showcase resources. And when you're on a ship and you're on a poor Wi-Fi, most, most people can download podcasts, in, in my experience at least. So it'd be a way to stay connected with women in our community, and um, yeah, they could they could download the episode. So I um, was only doing one episode a month for a long time, if that, because I was doing my own editing and production, everything, and I was also in graduate school after that, which made getting episodes out there even harder. But I stuck with it, and I think it was. Early in the pandemic, I approached OGGN and said, hey, you know, would you be interested in in, uh, kind of acquiring my podcast? And they said absolutely because they had seen the success of my organization and really believed in what I was doing. And uh, I'm grateful for their help and, and resources to be a part of this team. It's been it's been amazing because it enables me to get a podcast out a week. And I, I love that. And I've seen how that's helped my organization and helped other women. And, and we've focused on some really hard topics. And I remember approaching Mark saying, hey, you know, I want to rev things up. I want to talk about the things that affect women that others don't really talk about in this industry, such as sexual assault and sexual harassment and um, maternity and what happens when a woman wants to ha- plan a family and keep her offshore career? And some people find these things very controversial. So I want to go out and do it and talk about this. And Mark was so supportive. He's like, I'm in your corner. I believe in you. Go for it. I won't control your content. Like I know you will do this and you'll do it in a way that that really serves your community. So that's what we've done. We had a whole series on sexual assault and sexual harassment in early 2021. It was like seven episodes. And it's interesting, like listening to those episodes, because in the beginning, <laughs> I had a co-host with me, Fiona, and she and I were, we were ready to go out there and learn and and figure out what resources are there for victims and by the end of that series, we were so mentally exhausted and I needed a break mm-hmm. because it was really hard to dive in to that subject, of course. Um, but we did it and there, those episodes are there and there's been a lot of feedback on our podcast in general. And one of my favorite stories is from pretty early on, I think it was only like episode eight or nine that I had out there and I was at an event in California and this maritime student comes up to me and she says, are you the voice of the women offshore podcast? And I was kind of shocked by that because (laughs) I didn't think I was known as a podcaster. And again, I'd only had put out a handful or more episodes, not many. And I said, yes. And she told me how much the podcast had meant to her because she had been working on a ship where she was the only woman and she was the youngest by far, and she was the only American, and she was having a hard time. And she said every time she could, she'd download our episodes. And 
it meant so much to her to have the voice of women in her ears telling her that, you know, you can do this. And yeah, it there are challenges, but hey, this is how I overcame them. And, you know, you can too. And just hearing that, what a difference it made to help her get through her cadet sailing so she could graduate was very uplifting. And then she said to me, I noticed you haven't gotten a podcast episode out there in a few months. And, you know, I'm in graduate school, like drowning in homework, like should not have even <laughs> been at that event in California. Um, but I went anyway. And I, you know, I said, you know, I'm so sorry, I will get one out for you soon. But uh, yeah, it's it's been great hearing from listeners about the impact it makes. And yeah, it, I think it fuels that- me. I, I, the the power of storytelling is is so strong, and it's great to see what you do through your podcast, and and you did it for a long time through your blog, but you're telling stories of real people and real challenges, and uh, women who have a lot of common experiences that maybe people who aren't in that world wouldn't be aware of, and uh, maybe as you felt when you were starting out in the industry. Maybe you think you're the only one who, who's going through that or the only one who's feeling that way. And to hear someone else, you know, very bravely step up and address that in a public way can be so empowering. Right. Exactly. Like when you are a woman on a ship, you can feel so socially isolated. Like it's isolating to begin with. And then when your gender is constantly being pointed out to you indirectly and directly and it seems like no one wants to speak with you or they're afraid of you and they don't even know you. Um, it's, it's very socially isolating. It can feel so isolating. It's not just that you're the only woman on board. There's a helicopter going over my house. Paparazzi probably. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> it's a helicopter. It's a helicopter going over your head and, and you're not offshore right now. I know. That's so strange. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it can feel like you're the only one in the industry because you don't know other women sometimes. And it's just, and, and that, I mean, you don't know what other women, especially if you're starting out in the industry. And, and that reminds me of some feedback, some common feedback we'll receive in our mentoring program. Almost every rotation, it seems like that women tell us, you know, this is the first time I've ever met a woman who's on the same career path as me. And that brings a huge smile to my face that we're able to provide that. But at the same time, it's quite sad because that should be normal for them to know other other women doing similar career paths. Well, we know the story is still be- being written about women offshore. And uh, I think there has been some prog- progress made since you first joined the industry. And uh, obviously, there's still current challenges going. There'll be challenges going forward. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about the progress you've seen over over your career, and then what are some of the immediate things that the industry um, can continue to do to improve things for women who want to work offshore? Yeah, absolutely. So there's a great study that I'd like to point you and your listeners to um, by BCG, uh, con- you know, the consulting group um, called Untapped Reserves, and they released their 2.0 studies and where they studied 40 companies. There's great content there that shows a lot of Uh, the changes in the industry and where we've come, but also where we need to go. Uh, Working with companies at Women Offshore, we work with some great companies who've made significant changes to how they um, recruit, um, how they um, provide resources for women. 
um, within their own workforce. And, and that's been great, whether that's our um, sponsoring companies or companies um, that we're just, you know, talking to through our, our different um, events. And we really appreciate having them in our corner and, um, you know, love their support and love uh, sending women their way when there's a job opening and we have a woman who approaches us looking for a job. So there are definitely companies that stand out and um, they are making some fundamental changes that are so important. Um, Companies that provide female coveralls, right? Female uniforms. It's a basic thing, but it really makes a difference in the daily life of, of working offshore when your coveralls can fit. This is not a fashion statement. This is a safety issue and um, it's an efficiency issue. So your your clothes should fit when you're doing mm-hmm. uh, dangerous, dirty work. And then um, companies looking to provide maternity support and policies and not just maternity, but also parental, which normalizes women taking ma- maternity leave when men do it too. Um, lots of great changes and in some sectors. Others maybe are a little bit further behind, but we're we're focused on the ones that want to make change and, and want to be in our corner. Someone said something at a conference several years ago that really stuck with me. Um, it was a diversity conference that I went to at Rice University. And they talked about how do you, like, I think the question was about how do you reach the, they use, I think, men, but really it could be anyone. So let's say people on the people that don't support women or don't support minorities or diversity in the workplace, how do you reach them? And the response was from the panelists, it's not about reaching them. You can look at uh, sexism or uh, racism or anything like kind of on a spectrum. And, you know, you, you need to get at the people in the middle and work with the people on the side that are supportive because, those people, them, they will end up having an effect on the people that are not supportive. And maybe not all the, not all of them, but certainly the people in the middle will trickle, trickle over and end up talking to the people that aren't as supportive. So it's about building up. Like that's the point, building up everyone with the knowledge and the understanding and the confidence and the support to speak up. You can't just do it on your own, you know, and, and I view my role as the founder of Women Offshore that way too. Like it doesn't matter for the people that don't think Women Offshore should exist or have a problem with women's initiatives. Like those aren't the people that I should be concerned with. I'm concerned about the people in the middle and the people that are in our corner focusing on them um, because they're making the change and more people will join them as well. Cause we're doing a great thing. We're inclusive and we're empowering others. Well, it's exciting to see all the progress that Women Offshore uh, has helped drive over the years that that you've had the organization. And I'm excited about all the things that we talked about today that are happening this year. Um, if, if someone's listening today and they want to get involved in supporting Women Offshore or get involved in, in maybe offering their time as a mentor or something like that, how can they connect? Yeah, thanks. So they can reach out uh, to our general email, hello at womenoffshore.org, or send us a message through our web- website at womenoffshore.org. And we'd love to hear from them. Um, 
anyone who wants to come on the podcast even or participate in one of our initiatives, we'd love to connect and talk about what that looks like. Awesome. Well, Ali Cedeno, thank you so much for joining us and, and sharing your story, your, your own personal story, but the wonderful work that you and all of your friends at Women Offshore uh, are doing in the industry. Best of luck in the future, too. Yeah. Thanks so much, Ryan. Love your show and, and love uh, knowing you through OGGN. Thanks for having me on here. You bet. And thank you for listening again to Journey to the Energy C-Suite on Oil & Gas Global Network. We'll be back again soon with some more interviews. Until then, have a great one. Tune in next week for another enlightening episode of Journey to the Energy C-Suite, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com. Thank you.